Hi, I'm Kasim Gaines, author of We Don't Need Roads, the making of the Back to the Future trilogy, and you're listening to Hydrate Level 4. Hydrate Level 4? Welcome to Hydrate Level 4, and I'm your host, Peter. In celebration of the 30th anniversary of Back to the Future, I enlisted the help of nine fellow time travelers to share their love of the franchise in this three-part tribute. In Episode 2, we start off with... Hey, I'm John from Podcast Fandom, is the podcast for Project Fandom. Okay, and what does Back to the Future mean to you? And why is it one of your favorites or favorite movie of all time? Uh, the reason it's one of my favorite movies is, and you know, I, I count the entire trilogy as one story, obviously. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies because I love time travel. Honestly, that's, that's the biggest thing is that I love time travel and time travel stories. So much so that I even like the Jean-Claude Van Damme time cop movie. I, I really enjoy time travel and how stories and how people who make time travel movies and tell time travel stories figure out how to tell them in a cohesive way. And I think that um, what they did with Back to the Future is that they did that in a very cohesive way. Like they told it in a way that you can follow. And and especially when I – because I was born in the middle of the trilogy. I was born in 1987. So I didn't get to see the trilogy until it was already over. But I, as I watched it as a child, and I was able to follow it because it's such a well-told story and such a clearly told story. And where would you rank this compared to other trilogies such as Star Wars and Matrix? Uh, I think uh, on Project Fandom, I actually did an article about uh, about trilogies, and I'll send you that link later. But uh, I think that I, I would rank Back to the Future second among trilogies behind the Dark Knight trilogy for me and in front of Star Wars. Star Wars would be third. And I think that the reason is just because it is such a well-told story. It is like all the characters are so relatable and I'm a huge fan of Michael J. Fox. So like that, the whole thing just makes it something that I would, would rank more than Star Wars, honestly, because Star Wars to me is... Like because I was born in 1987, I wasn't really a part of the Star Wars generation, so I was watching it after the fact. So it doesn't really have that feeling, that you know, nostalgic love for me. Like, and I think that Back to the Future probably took that place in my life. Is that that's as a child I watched Back to the Future, so that's probably why it's above Star Wars for me. Uh, who are your uh, favorite characters and why? Um. Uh, probably Marty. I mean, but I mean that's that's the obvious choice. I mean, Marty and Doc are the obvious choices there. Um, I think I think Biff in the in the in the sequel in the the and in the part part two mm-hmm. uh, in in the altered nineteen eighty five. Uh, that that Biff, I really enjoy that character and the way that he. He kind of embodies the '80s, really, and it's it's very interesting the way that Biff as a character, and you know, if you'll help me out, I don't remember the actor's name. Thomas F. Wilson. Uh, yes, Thomas. Yeah, and I think that he did a fantastic job uh, as changing his character throughout 
the the trilogy and just the way that he played so many different roles in the trilogy it just it you know he, i think that 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 biff is really the, the best one of all of the biffs and he was probably i mean i think that biff is my favorite character i mean outside of the, the big two mm-hmm. i think biff is probably this the, the best the best character of all of them i agree with that uh and what was your uh some of your favorite scenes for me Part two is the best movie of the trilogy, and I think that my favorite scene in that, well, I was going to say, there's so many good ones, honestly, but I was going to say when he finally, when he realizes that the 1985 he's in is the is wrong, the wrong 1985, when he's in the, the girl's bedroom, that it used to be his bedroom, and then he comes out and the dad's like, we ain't going to be terrorized, and then he, he the, the music hits, and then he, we see the you know Biff's Casino and all that. I think that's that's probably one of that's the second best scene because I remember the ending. And I think that the end of Back to the Future Part Two is one of the best endings of any movie of all time. I mean, it's just the way that it's set up where you see Doc disappear and then immediately the Western Union guy comes rolling up and it's raining and you see Marty has to read the the Western Union telegram and uh, by the headlight and it's just that the way that that's, that just goes right to the way that they built the story to be so clear and, and so easy to follow that you see like oh this happened immediately and then you're like well why did that happen and you say oh well he must be in the past like it just is perfect can you imagine what that cliffhanger ending was like? You know, in the movie theaters. You oh, know, man. I watched I watched both two and three in the movie theaters, and I don't remember like really, you know, like oh, I really need to see part three. But uh, so I I kind of, um, I mean, I knew it was a cliffhanger. I'm just like, oh wow, I'm excited for part three. But it's not like I wasn't jonesing for it. You know, like how you do with with TV shows nowadays. You're just like, oh my god, I need to see the last one. But if I was just a little bit older at that time, I think it would have hit me. I'm just like, oh my god, what happens? You know, where is Doc? What is what's with this letter? What does what does it all mean? <laughs> um, yeah, that would have been torture. That would have been so so bad because, like you said, you don't know where he is. And, and waiting, I think it was what two years between those movies, even though they were filmed at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's still like they still released like two years apart. I don't. I just I can't imagine what that would have been like. Not only that, there was n- no you know leaked photos and footage you know like they have them now. Yeah. You know, and movies uh, sequels can it can be like three years of waiting, but you still get all these leaked footages and whatnot. But back then, eighty nine and ninety one, two years with with nothing. You know, all, all you had was like a teaser at the end of um, part two. I think you got to see that it was in the Wild mm-hmm. West. And do you have any uh, impersonations? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. On the spot. I don't know, like, yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, you know Marty! A lot of people could do the Marty one. Um, did, did I ask quotes or trivia? No, I, I guess I was going to allude to it, but like, um, what are some very interesting pieces of trivia? Because this movie has a lot of Easter eggs in it, you know, for... For the people that watch it over and over, you know, um, we we discussed prior to recording the uh, the whole thing about Lone Pine Mall and Twin Pine Mall. 
So, um, do you have what's what's are some of your favorite pieces of trivia of the trilogy? Um, I think I, I mentioned this to you before about uh, something that I had heard, and I I haven't had a chance to check it. So it, it may be trivia, or it may just be an urban legend. But I heard that in the first two films, Biff is punched at the same time uh, into the film, like on the timestamp into the film he's punched at the exact same time in the first movie and the second movie and i i i thought that was such a cool thing that if they actually did that if they actually managed to make that happen then that's a, that's fantastic i mean that's amazing but and, and it's something that i don't really want to check because i want it to be true like i don't want to to bust that myth for myself you know what would be even better is if the entire time in part 2 while marty um uh, Marty A, you know, when he goes back and sees himself in uh, in part one, if all, if that timeline was in real time, like if if we were able to get two TVs next to each other and play part one and then see everything that uh, you know present Marty was seeing in the past, if if that all lined up in real time, now that would be even more awesome. Yeah, that that would be like, and I would not be surprised, honestly, if if you can do that, because that's the, that's the feeling that I get when I watch these movies, and I see how meticulously they they appear to be have been crafted. Like I just I feel like it would make perfect sense for that to be the case. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, now now that we pretty much got all the the, the questions out of the way, I kind of want to go back to uh, what you were saying about the whole time traveling thing. I think that's another reason that I'm so fascinated in the trilogy myself, because um, like you, I was born in the '80s, so the Star Wars wasn't really big. It was a big deal, obviously, because when I was born, I think that's when uh, that was the last one, right? '83. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think eighty three was the last one. Uh, Return, of the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. Yeah, so, yeah. so it, all, all the first three movies had already been out, you know, by the time I was born, and nobody in my family was really a big Star Wars fan, and uh, I had a bunch of aunts and uncles that were, you know, in their early teens. So Back to the Future was more of the thing, and that's you know by proxy, you know, I, I kind of grew into being a fan of that trilogy. That's my Star Wars. That's my Godfather. Though the other ones are really good, there's just something about this and the fascination of being able to go back and kind of change things and, you know, having to deal with it on, uh, you know, a morality level. Like, you know, do you want to be selfish and change things, but then you can screw things up for, you know, for other people. Uh, But all of that has always made me like a big fan of time traveling movies. And that's why like time cop love it and i even went as far as to watch the sequel with uh, jason scott lee who was in back to the future 2 so it all, it all comes back and uh so that was really interesting and yeah any chance i can get to watching any kind of time traveling thing i'll watch i even i i bought the time traveler's wife <laughs> i i cannot go that deep with you <laughs> but i i agree like i feel like the time travel thing like since I did watch it as a kid, I, I guess I probably watched it in the early 90s, I guess, when I was probably five or six or something. And and I think that the thing that really made this story 
I don't know, like entertaining instead of, I guess, frightening because it could have easily been a frightening story. Like he is going to the past and may have caused himself to stop existing. And then especially part two could have been very frightening. Uh, So like, I think the entertaining thing about it though, is that number one, it's, you know, comedy. So that, that helps a lot. But I think because he accidentally went to the past. It wasn't something that he intentionally did to improve his life. And, and he ended up coming to, you know, back to the present and realizing that he had improved his life, like unintentionally. Like that is something that, that I, I think it really touches uh, a kid. Like when you're, when you're a kid, it really gets into your mind about like, because every kid wants something like that like oh i could improve my life like somehow i i I think that's something that kids want i think another thing it's the way that they were able to weave in like historical things you know like the frisbee and stuff like that so it's kind of the same kind of thing with uh forrest gump Mm -hmm. you know i think you know zemeckis was on that but uh I think that it's the same kind of thing where you're able to touch on these, you know, cultural touchstones and then that's that makes your movie uh timeless because you use things that like Star Wars for instance, you know, Back to the Future uses Star Wars and and that's something that was a cultural touchstone. So you're able to make your movie something that will last forever by using those things to connect it with your audience. What about the uh, what? What are your thoughts about the um, in part two? Since that one is your favorite, uh, what what are your thoughts about the uh, its portrayal of twenty fifteen at that time? Uh, I think it did a good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like it's very difficult. I've noticed because I've never made a movie, but I've noticed that it's very difficult to make a near future seem reachable, make it seem attainable, and I think that they did do that. And it seems like they, they kind of predicted a few things. Like, what I love about it, though, is that it influenced the future. Like, you see, you see companies now making hoverboards because of Back to the Future. You see companies selling uh, you know, inside-out jeans because of Back to the Future, because it was in that movie and now we've reached the time of that movie. So people are like, yeah, we should make this. I, I think that's, that's, it's something about this movie that really influences time more than it even, more than it reflects it. It, it influences it more. Yeah. It really impacted pop culture and it almost, I guess in a sense, you can even say it kind of wrote a little guideline of how 2015 should be. You know, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, that's a very uh, interesting insight on it. What uh, What are your thoughts if they were to do like a like a reboot or a remake or even a continuation, kind of like the 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 Telltale games? Um. Yeah. I mean, I really loved the 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 game that they did. That was that was a very good continuation of the story. I wouldn't really want it to be remade or rebooted. I mean, I'm not one of these people who says that certain things can't be rebooted. Like, anything can be rebooted or remade if it's good. Like, if it's good, then it can be done. But I just think it would be impossible to capture the same feeling that Back to the Future captured, especially when it, you know, they looked out 
and you know lost Eric Stoltz and got Michael J. Fox at the time when he was huge. So it feels like you know it it would be it would be almost impossible to recapture that. But I think I I had thought it would be great if they had Back to the Future four in 2015. If they would have been able to come together and and make another sequel and have it be set in 2015 and just I don't know continue the story and and then maybe go 30 more years into the future and and see what they could do with you know 2045 because they you know Michael J Fox and you know Christopher Lloyd they're all here like why not like I would have loved that I would have been the first in line to see a sequel like that and if they want to do it still like obviously they can't do it and have it come out this year but I mean why not? I would love to see that. Yeah, that's actually a pretty good idea if they did had one scheduled for 2015. Um, I, I've always been like, yeah, obviously we, we can't control if they you know, wanted to do more. Um, I can't see what else they would do, but I've always thought, if anything, you know, re-release the trilogy, but with two, you know, kind of do a thing where you can reshoot the actors as they are now. You know, and and redo those scenes in 2015, and I think that'd be kind of cool. So now they're not wearing makeup; they're actually aged, you know, organically. And I, I thought that might be kind of interesting. Just yeah, re- redo the 2015 scenes with the actors as they are now. That that would be interesting. I, I would, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I think this is gonna be a controversial thing, but I'm not someone who's all that upset that George Lucas did that kind of thing with Star Wars. Like I'm not all that upset that he he changed Han shooting first. You know, like, I'm not upset that he put Hayden Christensen into, you know, into the movie. I I don't I'm not that that upset about those things. And I feel like if they did that with Back to the Future, they would be people who would be upset likewise. Mm-hmm. But I would not be one of those people. I would love to see that. <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean, I, I I can get what you're saying. Like some people would be, you know, well, no, they ruined it, but. Just the thought of it, though, it's, I mean, you're not, you're not really accentuating, you know, like Lucas was in the, in other movies. You'd just be updating the look of your characters. I mean, like, let's be honest, the makeup back then is kind of dated, you know, and, and, um, you know, for example, Elizabeth Shue looks, you know, stunning at this age, and uh, uh, Leah Thompson, she still looks good for her age, you know, so they, the the way they were portrayed in you know part two they looked really old and brittle you know so I I just I just think that yeah like the way the way they are now they they all look great you know Christopher Lloyd's getting really up there so if they plan to do anything now's the time you know so absolutely absolutely and I mean like I said I I could see another trilogy like I would love it I mean I don't have I don't have any kind of fear that it would be bad like i just i think it would be fantastic do um okay let's say uh whether it was like like a remake of the trilogy or even a continuation let's say marty mcfly jr who would be have you ever had a thought of somebody that would play that role i mean because i'll be honest i've always thought nobody's ever going to do a reboot or remake or anything like that. If they do, it's going to be me. And who I would have as Doc Brown, I would have had Hugh Laurie um, just because I I, I loved him from House. 
And um, at the time, uh, uh, Anton Yelchin, I think he's a little bit older now, but when he came out with like uh, Charlie Bartlett and uh, wait, is that right? Charlie Bartlett? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the that's the one with Robert Downey Jr. Right, and yeah. uh, Alpha Dog, that was him too, right? Yeah, and, and House of D with uh, Robin Williams, he was fantastic in that. House of D, I, I don't think I've seen that one, but yeah, Anton Yelchin at a younger age, I think could be a perfect like Marty McFly Jr. or even a Marty McFly. Yeah, I think that I think I could I could see that. Uh, I definitely like Hugh Laurie as Doc Brown. That's that's a fantastic choice because I mean, and I don't know, it's it's hard to think that people nowadays with the internet that people wouldn't know that Hugh Laurie, you know, was, you know, Fry and Laurie and and uh Black Adder. Like he had the comedy chops. He he has the comedy chops just like uh Christopher Lloyd to pull off that kind of character. So I think that's that's a very good choice. Um I I can't really top Hugh Laurie. Um for Marty, um, I can't I think that Michael J. Fox is a one-of-a-kind actor, one-of-a-kind person. So I think that trying to match him would be would be a mistake. I think maybe like kind of like with Ghostbusters, if they were to re- reboot that, like straight up reboot it, and and try to match Bill Murray, I think that that would be a mistake. Like it would you it would, you can never match you know Bill Murray, just like you can't match Michael J. Fox. But I think. Uh, I think Anton Yelchin would have been a good choice to to you know be a new Marty McFly or at least a Marty Jr. Uh, happy birthday to Back to the Future. <laughs> My name's Paul Herman. I am from a few different podcasts. I am on the Force Cast. I'm also on Making My Marvel and my own podcast called Unmuted. I live in Seattle, Washington. I've been a, a long-time comic book fan, uh, sci-fi fan, since I can basically remember. I grew up watching all the classic, you know, 80 films and just kind of just, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm a child of the 80s, essentially. You know, that's kind of the, the classic moniker that a lot of us kind of hold, you know, as a badge of honor, if you will. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm no, I'm just a, just a simple guy, just trying to make his, you know, way through life, and just loving all the, you know, pop culture, geek culture, you know, as, you know, absorbing as much as I can, if you will. So, just a, just a good old regular dude who just loves the watching, read nerd stuff. And what does Back to the Future mean to you, and or why is it one of your favorite movies? And if you can rank them or compare to like uh, some of the other big trilogies. So Back to the Future, you know, it's funny because I, it's one of my earliest memories of watching a movie and loving it besides Star Wars. Uh, my parents, um, they didn't, didn't always have HBO and Showtime, but we recorded Back to the Future off of, I think, Showtime. And we had just gotten a VCR. And so... I, or no, no, that's what I'm sorry. What happened was they, we watched it together as a family. I must have been, I think, four or five. And I, this, this is my earliest memories because I remember I, I associate this. I associate all my memories um, with uh, this one house we lived in and which I also saw Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi and Back to the Future was definitely one of them along with Legend. It's funny to say. Love Legend. Um, 
So I remember watching that with my family and I loved it. And I, I just and I, and I remember I even had I don't remember if this is true. I want to say I had a DeLorean Hot Wheel back then. I don't know if that's true, if that's a legit thing. I was talking to someone about it um, a couple months ago, and he was telling me that that was for Back to the Future 2. And I said, no, no, I had a DeLorean Hot Wheel. I remember I had it, some, or some kind of car, toy car that was for the movie, and I had it, and I lost it. But I don't know if it was an, or like, like a Hot Wheel DeLorean or you know something like I don't know if it was a Hot Wheel even, but you know what I'm saying. It's, it's mm-hmm. some kind of toy car that – was a DeLorean. I'm not sure if it was for the film or it was an independent, like just toy DeLorean, you right, know, right. that was a, not, associ- not associated with the film. I, but I definitely, you know, my memory, I'm a visual learner and visual person all the way. So I love comic books. So when I, so my memories, I vividly remember having one and looking for it, like all, and like losing it somewhere. So, um, but yeah, Back to the Future, we eventually recorded it on off of TV and, I would and, – and, and this kind of goes the same in my life now. I go in phases of things like where my obsessions – I always have my main loves, but my the, they become my obsession periodically and they kind of rotate. And so I'd go through like a comic book phase where I just look at my comics like for like months on end. And then all of a sudden I'd go through like a, um, a Star Wars phase where I'd watch Star Wars like pretty much months and, you know, just a ton. And then I'd go through a Back to the Future phase where I'd watch Back to the Future like every other day. And I just just that movie is just it's funny because it's it's so he goes back and it's funny because he goes back in time. But what what he's dealing with, with with the themes of 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 love and things like that, they're all universal. So even as a young boy and some of the adult themes went over my head, sometimes it was still like universal themes of standing up for yourself, um, you know, trying to. Just I don't know. It's all those things that the Back to the Future introduced was was really it still stuck with me, and I still loved it. Plus, it was just fun. It was a fun movie and, and exciting, and I don't know. I mean, the characters are great too. I mean, you can't you, you got to love Marty and you know and, and Biff and everybody. So I mean, you just you connect to so many different people. Um, it's just it's just a, it's just it's a it's a timeless film in my opinion. And um, where would you put it up with, you know, as far as like the other trilogies like Matrix, Star Wars, Godfather, you know, things like that? Would it be in the upper echelon? With them? Yeah, I, I think definitely that the Back to the Future, tri- the Back to the Future trilogy is is one of the best ever. And I think that though, I, I think it's funny because I think some of the jokes were even were lost on us when we first saw like the the second one. I think the, like all of future jokes were at least for me as a kid. I didn't really get a lot of them because I didn't realize they're they're be- basically being like over the top about it. You know, as a kid, I just took it as face value. <laughs> you know, but going looking back on it as as an adult, it's funny because I get all those jokes now, like how ridiculous gas prices are and like Jaws forty and um, you know things like that. It's just it's it's a great it's not a satire, but it's just a great commentary of society that I think is timeless. That whichever it's talking about, it's a great like just commentary of where our our culture as you know the American culture has come from and things like that, like the Wild West, and it's a great it's just a great like it's timeless. It really is. I mean, you you put that in now, I think anyone will enjoy it because they're really enjoyable films. I think, but movies like The Matrix and 
I'll be honest, I'm not a Matrix fan. To be, I like the first film, but I never had any desire to watch the other two. To me, like they look dated. Whereas I think, like in the story, is is very steeped in you know computers and things like that. Whereas I think Back to the Future, again, the themes are universal. They're they're all about you know, again, love and you know you can't always you can't change the future and maybe it's not worth changing the future and. And you complicate things when you when you try to step in and I think destiny a little bit in some in some respects. So I don't know. I, I think the themes in, in the Back to the Future trilogy are are way stronger than a lot of other themes in other films, especially as the later trilogies have happened. Because again, I think they become a lot of like the the bigger trilogies that in the like later nineties mm. and on. They're just focused on spectacle. And I think one of the things about the 80s trilogies, they were focused on story. And the special effects were always just a means of, of a way to tell the story. And, I, and obviously that's always the way it's meant to be. But the problem is I think that they become it becomes over the top in a way that almost like the way the Back to the Future did it in, in the sequel. You know, like how they handled the future. They did it over the top on purpose as a joke. Whereas it's like it's funny because – I think these later trilogies have, have made special effects and they go over the top with it as a way to tell a story. And it's, it just doesn't work. It doesn't always work that way. It depends on what – to me, when you overdo something, it's, if it's not done in a way where you're trying to make a point with it, then it's usually a bad thing. So – or it has to be a really good over the top you know, scene or, or message or whatever to really get through. So to me, these later trilogies just, just put it too much in front of you like, hey, bleh, where I think whereas the other older trilogies are just all focused on the story, it's building the story. So I think that's what's lost in, in, in today's I, – I think even just in regular – even in like non-superhero films and things like that, I think just regular mainstream storytelling in, in film – it's lacking the idea – like originality and creativeness from studios because studios are afraid to tell stories like Back to the Future. Like I don't think Back to the Future gets made today um, because there's nothing that goes – nothing that – there's no studio – there's no uh, focus group telling them to make a film like this. You know, mm. it, Like back in like the late 70s and the early – mid 80s, I mean they were making all kinds of films because they didn't – they just didn't have – I mean, they had focus groups even back then. Don't get me wrong, but with with the internet and things like that, like they just studios are afraid. And because when you make a movie like, let's say, a Scott Pilgrim, it's very out there, and and a lot of people don't either love it or hate it. I love it, but what you see, the reasons they don't make these films like Back to the Future as much anymore is because of movies like Scott Pilgrim that you put a lot of money into, and they're quirky, and then they make no money, and they have a cult following, but no one watches it. So it, it's a shame. It, it's a shame because I, I think eventually studios will get there. They'll make movies like Back to the Future again, where it's gonna, they'll be quirky and, and different, and they'll they'll catch an audience and they'll catch it by surprise, and everyone will be like, "Oh my god, this is genius!" But it's going to be a while. We're, we're going to need a lot of focus over the top spectacle Transformers films and superhero films and sci-fi films um, to really um get to that point so you know hopefully we'll get we'll get more films like back to the future again one day that are just great stories and are timeless that don't necessarily kind of the kind of crossover between a comedy and sci-fi and and all and in action and but you know it, it uh it uh it has not happened and so i'm not holding my breath just yet 
Now, you already kind of um, uh, mentioned Doc and Marty and, and Biff, but do you have any other maybe favorite characters um, that you just just grew up loving or even small characters? Um, well, 3D glasses guy is always awesome. Um. <laughs> yeah, 3D. Yeah, three. I, uh, yeah, three D. He's I always loved that guy when I was a kid. I'm like, that guy's so funny. He just wears three D glasses the entire time. Um, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if he ever got headaches. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I remember I had a pair of three D glasses. Yeah, the, I was the red kid. and blue, right? Yeah, 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 red yeah. and blue. Yeah, and they didn't do anything. No, they, they never worked either. Even on the three D things, they never worked. I like um with him. I like the scene when when they're chasing Marty out on the street. And uh, there's that one point where he's like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, 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 word, word. No, that's exactly it. <laughs> totally. You know, I meant to watch these films before. I was been so busy. I didn't have a chance to. But, um, no, I love that part. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, uh, it's funny because the small characters, I've always had – she's not a small character, but Leah Thompson is just – she's just adorable. Mm-hmm she does she's just she is just a all American you know the girl next door completely and she it's funny because um she her old version of herself right looked like my mom's mom your grandmother yeah and mm-hmm. and um my grandmother the weird thing was it's getting a weird but the weird thing was my my grandma she was very sick and not like just kind of her health was deteriorating as I, I when I was younger. Like I, so my earliest memories of her, my only real vivid memories of her were always when she's like not doing well and just kind of a little bit crazy. Um, and she's got really overweight, but, but when my earliest, earliest memories of her, she looked like her before she kind of was went, you know, downhill, um, which was interesting. Uh, and so every time I, when I watch Back to the Future, I would think it looks like Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I always, I don't know if that started the affinity for the, for Leah Thompson, and because like I'm like, oh, she looks like my grandmother, and then like, oh man, she's like a young girl now, like my mom. And then so it was just, you know very, it was a weird thing as a kid. But as I got older, I'm always like, man, Leah Thompson's a cutie. <laughs> and uh, um, no, I've all and Leah Thompson, she's just a fantastic actress. I mean, it's a shame I don't see her much in. in and much anymore but yeah she every time she's in something i'm always like yes she's so good she's so awesome um i i, I love her as lorraine i think i think she's she's great she just handles it really well the the, the i'm innocent but yet not innocent uh <laughs> girl um i also love crispin glover as <laughs> you know as the dad um george so i mean it's I love I love their characters. I mean, the first movie is this. I mean, I love all the films, and but I also uh, seeing Crispin Glover and his weird acting ideas. I mean, say what you want about the guy, and he's weird as hell. Um, but you know, he brought a lot of not depth to the character, but a, he made the character more interesting than I think that he was supposed to be. And I think that's a credit to Crispin Glover, not to the writing of Bob Gale and uh, Robert Zemeckis. Um, so. I think Crispin and like obviously they had to rein him in a lot <laughs> um, from what you know all the commentaries and featurettes that I've read and, and watched and whatever, but I think Crispin Glover is is like the unsung hero of of those films. I think he is just fantastic, and I, it's just a shame that he just wasn't in the he was in the trilogies afterwards. 
you know. Mm-hmm. But but you know, yeah, I'd say those two. I mean, obviously there's Biff. I mean, you can't love Biff and you gotta love Marty and Doc and you know, but I mean and let's be honest too, I mean my favorite if I had if I was being real back in the day when I was a kid, my favorite part or just favorite character in the movie you could say is probably the DeLorean, you know, itself. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, that's I mean that's what drew I me. Mean, I love the look of DeLorean. I mean, obviously, there's a reason why people still drive them today is because of that film alone, essentially. So, um, yeah, I, I'd say like you know, I'd, I'd say you could. I'm arguing the car is a character in itself, and I think that that's probably my, it's probably the reason why I love the films in, in, at first at all. What are uh, some of your favorite scenes and uh, quotes from the movie? Give me a second on this one. Scenes will be easy. Quotes I'll have to really. Um, that will be too hard, but let me think here. Um, some of my favorite scenes in the movie, obviously the skateboard scene in the first one when he takes the kids, uh, like whatever scooter thing and breaks it off. And then, oh, that's a fan- fantastic idea. I also love it's, it's speaking of skateboard. I also love <laughs> the beginning of the film when he's just like hanging out in the people, back of people's cars, you know, <laughs> cars you know and, and just doing that and then the guy looks back with his mountain dew hat and he's like oh hey <laughs> you know i i just i thought it was it's ridiculous you know I, but it's funny i i love that as a kid like oh he's so cool <laughs> um he's uh, just all nonchalant you know yeah just, yeah exactly listening I mean, to his walkman <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's you know i think man the whole the whole first movie is it's got every scene in it i think is amazing uh God, I need to rewatch this movie. I love that movie. Um, I love the scene when uh, in the very beginning of the movie when he has his amp flying, has a, his uh, you know the amp and his guitar, a little teeny guitar, and he blows himself backwards. And you know, um, I'm trying to think what else. Uh, just off the top of my head, I also love when uh, he get, he goes back in time for the first time and he has his yellow suit on, and the the family, um, you know, they're they have the comic book and he's like, look, Paul. And it looks just yeah. like him in that suit. And he's like trying to kill him. Oh God, that was hilarious. Um, I'm trying to think what else, uh, scenes from the other films. Um, I love the hoverboard scene. I mean, as a kid, when I watched that, that was like, that was the one I was looking forward to the most was that scene. It did not disappoint. I felt they did a really good job with that. That was a lot of fun. Um, I'm trying to think what else. And, uh, I love the. I just love how they did the, the the thing at the end of the film where they mark, there's two Martys in the same area um, in the sequel. That's always one of my favorites is when you get like the the you know future and the past selves in in one um, one shot. Yeah, yeah. It, it you know my wife argues that's that's she, she said she would say that's impossibility. That's that would that could never happen. It's 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 an impossibility, even in time travel. And I was like, my my buddy Dave from Unmuted was arguing with her, like, well, no, no, no. What if you went back in time? It's, like, it's impossible. You if you went back in time, you go back in time as yourself. Then not you wouldn't see yourself, you know, across, you know, you wouldn't see you you go back into your old, your your old body. Not you would be outside. And she, you know, we we're trying to argue this point to her, and we're like, no. And she's like, no, it's it's impossible. It's so ridiculous. It's funny. My wife because she would know. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's what I said. I'm like, what you would know. She, she had like all these different reasons. I'm like, no, you're, you're ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I love that when they're when you have both of them together and that they're, he's trying to avoid himself. I, I thought that was really a clever way of uh, of working around their kind of being. They're kind of stuck. They had no other. They, Back to the Future Two is fun. It's fun. I think it's an achievement in itself because they were pigeonholed completely in that movie they could you know Chris Glover wouldn't come back 
they had to bring uh, Jennifer with them. So, I mean, they had to like basically like write a a ridiculous story out of, you know, just a lot of, they had a lot of more limit. They had a lot more limitations and just budgetary reasons. So I feel that it was a pretty good achievement just in and of itself because of how they were just, they could not do much with it. So, I mean, but anyway, um, as far as other scenes, um, I love the end of Black, Back to the Future 3 when the train is the time machine. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. That blew my mind. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, honestly, I, that whole first movie is a scene after scene. I could tell you, like, is my favorite scene. <laughs> I just, what, you know, it's funny. Okay, I, I can't believe I almost forgot saying this. You know, there is my older brother and I were very, very close. And he had this thing where he'd be playing video games, right? Mm-hmm. And he would. This is ridiculous. Um, he had this thing where he'd be playing video games, and he'd go, "Oh my god!" And he, and he was like freak out, like he has to escape something. He'd go, oh, "Red for Marty!" And he would say, <laughs> he would say it all the time. And he, he was he said it when he was in high school, and he kind of kept saying it as he, you know over the years. And I remember when I was in my early twenties, I said it randomly. Around my friend, they thought it was hilarious because we had to run across the street, and I, and I said, "Run for Marty!" And ever since then, I say it every time I have to run across the street, or if I'm playing video games, I say it all the time now. Like I have to, so I'll just be like, you know, I'll play Destiny, and I'm like, oh, "Run for Marty!" And I'm like, <laughs> so um, yeah. Uh, my wife even says it now, like when we say we have to run. <laughs> um, so. I think that scene, the whole scene when the Libyans come in and like my friends and I would always quote that part where they'd say, that's right, right there, run for it, Marty. And then, who do you think? The Libyans! I mean, like, that's like another one that my friend would always say. He's kind of, we'd be hanging out and all of a sudden he just bust out, the Libyans! <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, those are probably my absolute favorite quotes um, to say. I mean, I, I still, like I said, I still say run for it, Marty all the time. So when I'm playing video games or I'm going to have to run across the street or whatever. So, um, I mean, I'm trying to think what other, um, obviously the classic, you, you take your goddamn hands off her, you know, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, I mean, the, the whole first movie is just, is just, a, just a classic. It is, it's one of the best films ever made, ever made. So yeah, I'd say those are probably my, you know, some of my favorite scenes and, and quotes from the movie. Um, and the last question I have is basically stories, and you've already kind of told one about the um, the one where you associated like you know certain movies with a, a house that you grew up in, yeah. And then the 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 toy, and then the the, the thing with your brother. Do you have any other stories like that growing up? Like because yeah. um, because we we were too young to have gone to the movie theaters. I'd imagine at least the first one. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't go to the first one in the theater. Right. I, I did see the last two in the theater though. Yeah, that that was something my my parents knew they had to take me to. Well, all the kids wanted to see Back to the Future too when it came out. No, it's funny. Um, I'm trying to think like what kind of uh, stories. I mean, because I've seen the movie so many times. I mean, it's like I'm trying to think. Um, I remember. All I remember is my mom taking my brother and I to see the second one, and I remember just being bummed out that I had, there was going to be another one and like that had to wait 
<laughs> and I remember, but I remember it was cool because they had the trailer right afterwards. And I got really excited. I was like, oh, that's so cool. I can't wait for Back to the Future 3. Oh, my gosh. Um, but yeah, I, that never, I never saw that before where they had a trailer for the next film like right afterwards. Um, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Um, as far as crazy stories, um, I don't really have any with, with regarding that, regarding those films, um, besides just rewatching them like crazy. Oh, you know what? There is one. There's kind of one. It's not, it's kind of goofy. Um, I remember we, um, back to the future of three was going to be, um, a Friday night movie on NBC. And I remember, um, I just could not wait to record it off TV because I had the first and the second one, right? Mm. But I didn't have the third one. And now this, and I did not have disposable income really. So I couldn't just go buy it. You know, I wasn't going to buy a movie because plus they were like, what, like 40 bucks back then? At least they, they were always, they always seemed really expensive to mm. buy it on VHS anyway. So like for some reason, I always thought I could do that. And also I, I spent my money every week on comic books. So it was like pretty much buy Back to the Future 3 or stop buying comics. I was like, well, I'll, I'll just wait for it to come on TV and I'll record it. But that was my my thinking, right, as a kid. Like, I was resourceful. Um, so I had the first and the second one, right? Mm. And uh, I was really excited to record this, the movie off off of uh, TV. Well, we had a power outage. And it went off. Now, I panicked because I couldn't record it on Friday, right? And or no, no, that's no. This is what happened. It was a Sunday night movie. That's what happened. I'm sorry. It was a it was an NBC Sunday night movie, and a power went out over the weekend. And I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I like I was like bumming because I could not record. I was like it, it was Sunday morning and the power had still not gotten back on. We had a bad storm or something like that, which rarely happened. Well. I shouldn't say that because it happened a, a number of different times when I was growing up in, in Lake Stevens, Washington, but because we live in a, a smaller area. But um, it was gone. It was it was out over a couple of days. I remember that the the uh, I, I this is and no no way this is like hilarious. So I remember I'm laying I'm laying down on my dad, all bummed out, like oh, I want to record Back to the Future, like Sunday night, and we had like you know fake candles on. All of a sudden the lights went on. Okay. The lights went on and I went, oh my God, you know, I was so happy. I was like, this is going to, it's going to work. Oh my God. It was like, I was like, it was like, it was like I, I died and went to heaven. I was so happy. And then I, I'm like, get tape ready and I turn on TV and the cable box doesn't work. <laughs> and I, but the weird thing was I, I said, I want to record it back to the future. And then the light went on. That was the crazy, that was the craziest thing. And then, then the hilarious thing was it didn't work, but Thankfully, NBC re-showed it on f- that following Friday night. That's what it was. And I recorded on, I recorded on Friday night. But I remember I was just so – I just could not wait to record it. And when I, I was so bummed out that we had no power and I don't want to record Back to the Future 3. And then it literally came on right after I said that, like the second after I said it. It was crazy. And I thought like it was meant to be. But it was actually it wasn't. But thankfully, I was able to get it still on that following Friday. But – it was a – I was so bumming, just so bumming I couldn't record and have all three. So, Do you remember if the powers went out at 10.04 p.m.? <laughs> it was probably earlier though, I'd imagine, probably like around 8 or something. Um, I don't remember. 
Um, Two-hour movie on a Saturday night, probably. It, it was no, it was Sunday night. It was oh, Sunday, Sunday night. night. Yeah, it was. I remember it was Sunday night. It was the power came back on around. It was eight o'clock art. So you're uh, you live in Portland, so mm. it was eight o'clock. So it was, I think the movie starts started at eight or nine. It was eight or nine, and literally the power came back on. I want to say an hour before the movie came on, or, or like not very much, and that was the reason why. I couldn't record it is because the power came on so late that the cable companies hadn't gone out and fixed all what they needed to back in those, you know, analog days. So that's why I wasn't able to record it. You know, what's funny is we, we, even though the times have changed and it's been over 30 years, that can still happen with us now with our DVRs. You know, you're like, yeah. you said something to record, powers go out, you know, or the cable, something happens with the cable and you miss that that one recording and it just may not play again. Yeah, well, but, that's it, but on demand, though. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But but you know what, though? But at the same time, like but for sporting events, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. if you miss, if power goes out, oh, yeah. man. Yeah, Talk, oh, right. they'll be held. To, they'll be definitely held to pay at that point. I mean, oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, no, I, I uh, yeah, it was it's it, it was a uh, tra- quite a traumatic experience um, with that. And I guess another like small. This isn't really a crazy story or anything, but it was really cool. My my wife bought me and uh, the the Blu-ray set for uh, Valentine's Day when it came out, and that was really cool because I wanted to get it, and I was like, oh, I don't want to spend money on it right now. And, she went and bought it for me. I was really, really stoked about that. So, and she, she, the weird thing is, she hadn't even seen, like, she didn't really watch the movies. And I remember she didn't really, she liked the first one. Okay. I think it's weird. She didn't grow up on the 80s films like I did. It was weird. She's four years younger than I am. But I mean, not, I mean, that's not like a huge age difference mm-hmm. to like not watch a great movie like Back to the Future. I mean, come yeah. on. It was weird, so, but no, it was really cool. She she bought it for me, which I didn't think we, she was going to. Or I wasn't, I wasn't expecting anything on Valentine's Day because we, we usually just take we just go out to dinner, you know, just keep it real. I know you're more of a Star Wars guy, but it's it's so awesome for me when I get any anything Back to the Future for any occasion. Like uh, last Father's Day, my wife uh, surprised me with the the Legos, um, the DeLorean Legos. What? Yeah, and then. Uh, last week, my my two kids, we were at the store. Uh, actually, we were at the mall, and they went into Barnes and Nobles. Came out with a, um, they surprised me with the uh, the Biff, uh, uh, reaction figure. Dude, I love those reaction figures. Yeah, and um, I want to get some, but they're so expensive. No way. We might be thinking of different ones. The the, the reaction one are only like ten bucks. Those are, that's expensive, man. Oh, okay. <laughs> No, I don't know. I don't see. I'd be throwing down. Like yesterday, I went and threw down like a, bought a ton of Star Wars books for like thirty bucks, and I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay, that's I, I got a lot of stuff out of it, but like ten bucks for a, a little action figure. It's yeah, like, I guess you're right. But but here's the thing, though, man. Like here's the thing. I mean, I do buy Star Wars action figures, so it's a little different. But I think the quality of those ones are like, there's just, I mean, it's. Don't get me wrong. They're awesome, and if they are a little bit cheaper, I mean, this is what's so stupid. If they're like eight ninety nine, I probably it's a, it's a, I'd probably buy them because they're nine ninety nine. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> does that make sense? I don't. It does. Know. It kind of does. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. Um, it's a mental it, thing, I think. You know? it, it is because I. It's funny because I went into Barnes and Nobles. We were all at the mall. I went there. I grabbed Biff and George. Were the only two I don't have. 
And then I, I, I walked around and then I saw this uh, Breaking Bad figure. And I was like, well, I don't have any Breaking Bad stuff. So I want to I get this. And I'll, I'll just wait. And then like half an hour later, the kids come out and they, they put in five bucks each and got me Biff. Oh, and and yeah, so sweet. And they're like, yeah, uh, Biff and George were like right, right with each uh, one another. I go, those are the two I just put back. <laughs> so, so they got me that. And, um, and then yesterday for my buddy's wedding... Uh, I'm the, I was the best man, and he gave me a best man gift, and it was actually the Back to the Future DeLorean time machine uh, in a Hot Wheels version. Oh, so that might have been the one that you had if it wasn't a regular DeLorean. It was, was it an old one? Uh, you know, I I only looked at it when he gave it to me, and I put it away because I didn't want to like you know it, it was his wedding and um, oh, totally right. Yeah, so it matter of fact. Uh, I think no, it's it's in my bedroom, so nowhere of you know I can't reach it. But I'll definitely send you a screenshot or a picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Send yeah. me a picture on on Twitter. Just tweet at me, or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, no, it, yeah, that's a uh, <laughs> that's really cool, man. Those reaction figures are, are they are cool. Like I I've almost bought a number of them. Like I want to get the uh, the predator yeah. and the alien ones. Like, I've they, seen them too. I think they got Bloodsport too, don't they? Oh God. I think they got the Bloodsport one. Reaction figures is freaking geniuses. I, when you mentioned that they were expensive, I mistook it for the Hot Toys, where they got oh. that new Marty McFly for like two twenty five. Yeah, well, we're, no, and those and the Hot Toys are legit though. Like those yeah. things are freaking amazing looking. No, I'm talking, but like, and the reaction—that's the thing. The reaction figures are cool. I just don't. I just for some reason. I just bucks. cannot spend ten bucks. I don't know what it is. It's so <laughs> stupid. It's, I should because it looks amazing. But no, I, I thought about getting the the reaction predator and uh, alien. I've they are cool. I, I think I think the reason why the reason why I haven't bought them is because if I start, I won't stop. Yeah, I know myself. I know I'm like I'm like oh I have to buy all of them now. Um, and I don't want to get down that road. <laughs> That'd be bad. <laughs> um, this is Paul Herman. I want to wish Back to the Future a happy 30th birthday because I was three years old when it came out and it's still one of my favorite movies of all time. Hi there, I am Hyper Shadow of Hyper Shadow Cosplay or just Shadow. Um, I've been cosplaying for about 10 years and I'm also a Marty McFly cosplayer and I've been doing that for almost I believe almost two years now. Yeah, that's really awesome. That's how you and I met, you know, for the listeners that don't know. Uh, I recently, well, earlier this year in 2015, I went to the Portland um, Wizard World Comic Con. And I was walking around with my uh, my Nike mags, you know, that glow. And uh, I ran, or well, we, we passed each other, and you were dressed as Marty McFly, and I had to get a picture with you, you know. Um and then we took a picture, and later on, I found you standing next to the DeLorean. <laughs> so yeah. it, it just kind of worked out, and it was really cool. So, it, yeah, you happened to be a cosplayer dressed as Marty Fly, the most legit uh, costume I've ever seen. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. That's really kind of you to say. I appreciate that, truly. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple other uh, variations. Um, I, I saw a Marty McFly from 2015, or a.k.a. Marty Jr., or even Marty posing as Marty Jr. But yeah, he had the jacket, but you had like sneakers from head to toe. 
the sunglasses okay. and everything. So you had the props and all. <laughs> so oh, de yeah. definitely, definitely cool. So I, so I, I knew I had to do something with, with you uh, for like, you know, a future project. I just didn't know what at the time, but I knew that we needed to, to hook up, uh, for a special, for a special episode. Uh, but, uh, why, why is Back to the Future your favorite movie of all time? What does it mean to you? I feel like that is such kind of like, I feel like that's quite an immense question. I mean, um, obviously, I really love Back to the Future. Basically, it just kind of started. Um, like my friends, just it was kind of at a kind of at a downtime um, personally, and my friends just showed me this movie. They're like, "Hey," and I mean, this was only about like two years ago, two and a half years ago. It's very recent, really. Um, I didn't really get the chance to grow up with the movies, like you know most people have that I've, you know, had the privilege to um, talk to. But basically they showed me this movie. They're like, you know, have you ever seen this movie? And I'm like, actually, no. And they're like, well, we got to fix that now. So we sat down and watched it. And for some reason, it just kind of, you know, stuck there in the back of my mind. And I just kind of kept thinking about this movie. And I'm just like, you know, there was something really special about this. It's like, you know, seeing the friendship between Marty and Doc and the fact that Marty is willing to go through so much to, you know, save Doc save you know doc's life um i mean i just think it's really powerful that this movie is centered around these two really good friends you know got like the mentorship kind of a dynamic to it and you know the fact that there's this rad car i mean the idea that this car can just take you you know anytime or really any place you wanted to go i mean i think that that's something we can all relate to something that, you know, we've all kind of, you know, wished we could do, you know, mm -hmm. if you could go anywhere, you could go in any area you wanted to, like, where would you go? I just kind of think it kind of plays on that, you know, fantasy, that kind of a adventure, like, you know, you could be whipped off to an adventure, you know, kind of like, where would you go sort of a deal. Right. Like, what do you say about, like, such a movie? You know, I, yeah, I'm putting you guys on the spot. I, I'm not even doing a, a part of my, uh, my own. <laughs> I'm, saving, <laughs> I'm saving all my stuff for the actual review, like, later on in the year, so. Yeah, it's just, like, it's just, like, one of those things where it's, like, something can mean so much to you, and it's just, like, I don't, I can't describe why it means so much to me. It's just, yeah. like, it's just kind of, like, was one of those things where I saw it, and obviously it struck quite a chord where it's, like, it just kind of stayed in my mind and I kept thinking about, you know, the dynamics of the movie and, you know, kind of like the, the journey that Marty takes through, through time and everything. And just, it's just really cool. I mean, it's just kind of cool to see. Um, I feel like Marty is a really relatable character in the aspect of, you know, I mean, he's got confidence, but, you know, you hear him say, you know, when he doesn't send in his audition tape and he's just like, you know, I can't take, I don't know if I can take that sort of rejection, you know, when Jennifer asks him about it. Um, I feel like we can all kind of relate to that, you know, holding ourselves back in some aspects because we're afraid of failure, we're afraid to fail. Um, and just kind of learning that, you know, you can go through these journeys or you can feel those thoughts because I mean, when he meets George in the cafeteria, you know, in 1955, um, George kind of echoes this exact same thing, you know, I don't really think I could ask her out right here in the cafeteria, you know, I don't really think I could take that sort of rejection. I just feel like because Marty is such a relatable character, we're able to kind of put ourselves into that kind of a story, and that's how it kind of, it can kind of stick with you like that. You obviously cosplay as Marty McFly. I'm assuming he's your favorite character of the movie. 
Yeah, no, he's definitely my favorite character, but I also, um, I absolutely love Doc. I feel like you've got to love both of them, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, I do, um, do love Marty quite a bit. Um, just his character, the fact that he is so relatable. Um, we should both share quite, you know, kind of like an instance of being very, <laughs> very expressive mm-hmm. facial expressions, which is fantastic. You know, giant blue eyes, just really, really, um, you know, like the character. I mean, he's so good. I mean, he's just, he cares so much. Um, it's just really great to see. I mean, he's just, he, he really is. He's a great character, I feel like. Do you like, um, do you have any favorite, like, uh, smaller roles? Because I, I think everybody will agree that, like, the, the main cast from, you know, George to Biff to Lorraine, you, you have obviously already mentioned Doc and Marty, but what about some of the smaller characters, like as small as, you know, Mayor Goldie Wilson? Do, do you have oh. any of the other ones that you're, um, you know, you just love, you know, like like a certain scene where, like, oh, yeah, that guy rocks or, or you know, that woman rocks or something like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. You have to love Mayor Goldie Wilson. Oh, my gosh. He is fantastic. Um, just the fact that, you know, he's so motivated and the fact that he gives kind of, you know, George that pep talk in the cafe. I think that that was really important. I mean, it just it just shows what kind of a guy he is. Um, you know, somebody you, you truly, truly would want to see as mayor. I mean, you know, got to love Goldie Wilson. Of course, I think, I think, is it part two? End of part two after Biff gets punched out, the wallet guy? Oh my god, that guy's hilarious. He is, you know, my brother-in-law and I, uh, my little fun story is that was one scene we used to rewind over and over and over. (laughs) Because it's just so funny. He's like, hey, I think he took your wallet. I think he took his wallet. You know, like, (laughs) it's so hilarious. And then, like, Biff's face when he's running off and he looks behind, like, what what did you just say? I know. (laughs) What are you talking about, wallet? (laughs) But you're right. You're right. Like he, that's a, that's a, that guy doesn't get a lot of love. But that, that's an example right there. That's I, I love that. That's that's a good one. Oh my god, it's just such, it's such a, such a good scene. I mean, you're not expecting it, but he's so concerned about the wallet. <laughs> oh, so good. Like, so let's, good. Let's get a little bit of air. I know CPR. What's CPR? <laughs> I know. Boom! Right in the face. Yeah, it's a good scene. Oh, Marty. Oh Marty, so so ridiculous. Do you um do you like Clara at all? I don't think anybody's really spoken uh, about Clara. I feel like Clara has her purpose within the series. Um, obviously she's a fantastic fit for Doc. I feel like you know she's a very classy, educated lady. She has you know she wears like gorgeous purple dress, of course. Um, I do think she's a good character. I wish she was a little bit more developed, but I mean I guess. You know, Mary Steen version, you know, she was just coming in in third movie, third movie at the very end. So I guess there wasn't quite a whole lot they could do there. But I would have liked to see more of that, like more of her character kind of being a match for Doc's character. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, she was good. I mean, it's a little sad that at the end, you know, they kind of, you know, Marty goes to the future, and it's kind of sad because, you know, they kind of part ways a little bit, but then, you know, you get into a video game that kind of serves as that, as that quote-unquote fourth movie where, you know, you kind of seem reunited, which is very nice. Right. That's um, one thing I've kind of mentioned. Like, I like to see what happens after that, you know, the, the adventures, you know, with, well, maybe it's not an adventure, but what happens with Doc and Clara? Like, how, how are they handling Jules and Vern? But we kind of get a glimpse of what happens, you know, with the animated series. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how much of that you, you've seen, but, you know, that kind of centers more around, um, you know, Jewel, Jules and, and Vern. And Marty is kind of a kind of a backseat character. He comes in and out. He, he's almost like the, like the Kimmy Gibbler, you know, like where he's like yeah. the, that neighbor where he is, is kind of over sometimes, you know. So, um, yeah. so that was interesting. But um, but what, what are uh, some of your favorite quotes, uh, maybe ones that you like to use all the time or? or the ones that just really stand out? Let's see. I mean, there's, you know, there's always the old standbys. I mean, what's really fun is, like, once you get to know these movies enough, or I guess because plays Marty, you know, people will just throw these references at you, and they expect you to catch them. So you just kind of learn to be kind of quick on your feet with your references and your quotes. But um, it's really fun. I mean, <laughs> completely useless knowledge outside of, you know, <laughs> yeah. back to the, fellow Back to the Future fans. But, um, I mean... I love using, you know, I guess you guys aren't ready for that yet, but your kids are going to love it, you know? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> love that yep. one. Uh, let's see. One I use a lot is like, you know, whoa, you know, rock and roll. Oh, right. You know, of course, heavy. I mean, that's just expected. You know, great Scott. But one dog quote I do really like is, you know, if you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything. Or at least it's credited to Doc. You never hear him see it, you know, hear him say it in the movies. But right. apparently that's where the quote originated from. Um, also, you know, your future is whatever you make of it. So make it a good one. I feel like that's really, a really quite a powerful one, really. Mm-hmm. Let's see. You know, and of course, you know, with the DeLorean, you know, when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit, you know? Right. So good. Just, I mean, that movie is just immensely quotable. Um, it, it just makes for cosplaying Marty just so much fun because, you know, you get to interact with fans like that and they just get such a kick out of it when you're able to reply with something that they're, you know, either they're expecting or they're not expecting. They're just like, oh, wow, really? It's pretty fun. It's it's a lot of fun. You'd be surprised, but I think a, a good chunk of the guests they they've kind of like had the same ones, you know. So, but but at least you you know, um, like the ones you gave were like the life lesson ones too, you know, that, that you can actually apply to life. Yeah, I feel like those ones kind of struck, um, probably struck the most chord with me, you know, just kind of you know at this point in my life, the fact that there are opportunities out there. It's just kind of like, oh my goodness, there's this video on YouTube where it's just like um, the creator of this video just drew inspiration for Back to the Future and just kind of applied it in this video. And it was just, I watched it and it was just, you know, it was incredible. And it's just, you don't really realize how inspirational this movie can be until you kind of look at it through kind of that lens. It's just, just another reason why this movie is just so, so special, really. Yeah, I just like, you know... For, for me and I feel like a lot of fans if you just hear the right inflection of some kind of word that that's you know part of a line in, in the entire series it becomes a quote you know yes um, yeah it, it happens every single day I think just about for me the you know just the right inflection of a certain word like oh that reminds me of this quote and I would usually say it I used to work with a guy that that knew the movie just as well as I did or I, I, at least I think he does and we, we'll kind of throw quotes back and forth you know, like oh, if, if we hear something, yeah, that that relates to to a line in the movie, and we'll just say it, at, you know, right on the working floor. Nobody really gets it. I know it's almost like you're kind of speaking your own kind of language to those right. who know. It's so funny. 
I like that. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, the the quotes from the movies is 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 our own language. It really is. It really is, especially if you're like you know quick witted with your references. It's just like it goes completely over somebody's head, or you slip into the can uh, into like a conversation, you know, so casually, somebody might not even catch it, and you're just like, oh well, this is my life now. <laughs> right. What kind of um? So you said this wasn't part of your childhood, but you do have some pretty cool. Uh, pretty neat stories to share yeah um first of all just immense immense respect to those who've um carried their love for back to the future um from childhood i mean i wish i could say i was you know i'm one of those people but unfortunately i'm not but i'm just always i always love to hear other people's stories from you know the first time they saw the movie as a child or the first time they went to go see the movie with their parents it's just, it's cool being a Marty cosplayer. You kind of, these people, um, these, you know, these fellow fans, they just kind of open up and share their story with, with you. And that's just something really special and something that you wouldn't necessarily hear unless you were kind of, you know, you're putting yourself in that spot kind of as, you know, a Marty cosplayer. It's just, it's very cool. I've, I've heard a lot of cool stories and, you know, it's just really special to me. Yeah, I mean... Let's see. I mean, I've got quite a few different stories. I've got like the Lorian stories. I've got um, have you actual... met any of the cast from from your appearances? Oh no, I haven't. Um, I really. Uh, oh my gosh, I hope one day. Um, actually, um, something I definitely want to share that happened because I still cannot believe that it happened. I want to kind of like give a shout out to all my friends. Um, have you heard about the um, the We're Going Back celebration that's happening in October this year? Uh, I know it exists, but I, I don't know the details. Is it the one in California? It's the one in California, and it's like, I believe it's like a five-day-long um, celebration. Just this huge, this huge, immense thing. I mean, the cast and crew is going to be there. Um, they're not even re- releasing a whole lot of details on it, really. Um, but... You know, of course, they did it for the 25th um, anniversary, but the 30th, I mean, this one is just going to be, you know, mind-blowing. So, um, you know, naturally, as you know, any fan would want to go, of course I wanted to go, but um, just the sheer amount of, you know, five days in California, the travel costs, it would have just been so immense. So even though I was trying to save up for it, it was just, kind of painfully apparent that it wasn't quite going to happen. But um, let's see, I think it was the end of last month. Um, I am a part of a volunteer group um, called the Portland Superheroes Coalition up here in the Northwest. And I was asked to come down and do a birthday greeting for a Back to the Future fan. So I went dressed as Marty. I arrived... um, expecting to read this little video shout out for this fan and they handed me the script to read and it turned out that my friends had um come together um to raise it was almost two thousand dollars for me to go to that weird to go to we're going back oh wow um like i just couldn't believe it they had staged this this um this facebook event um and I just, I still can't even comprehend it. I mean, it's just like, what do you say to that? But it's, so I get to go now, and it's just, 
it's amazing, really. I mean, the fact that that happened, the fact that they did that, that they came together and that they cared that much. I mean, you kind of read about these things happening to other people, but you never really think it's going to happen to you. Um, so that's one like immense thing that I've been kind of, you know, really psyched about is the fact that I'm going to be able to go um, and hopefully meet some of the cast and crew, you know, thanks to my friends and, you know, the fact that they did this because it's, it's an immense gift and it's, truly this once in a lifetime thing and it's just it's mind-blowing i cannot believe it you know just oh if you guys are listening thank you guys so much you guys know how grateful i am but just again i had to give you guys that shout out because you know means more than i could say yeah i think there was a documentary about that collation right um i'm not sure um they do events um one big thing that the portland superheroes coalition does is they do you know visits to the children's hospitals like Dornbeckers. Um, mm-hmm. They do kind of fundraising, fundraising community events. Um, it's just a stellar group of people. I mean, it's just such an honor to be a part of that. Um, but yes, you can look them up on Facebook, you know, Portland Superheroes Coalition, and definitely please do check them out. Just stellar group of people. For you, uh, being a cosplayer uh, as Marty McFly, we're some of the really cool things that has happened at, at a convention. Oh yeah. Well, basically, well, probably the coolest thing that's happened is, um, being able to do, to do conventions as Marty. Um, sometimes I partner up with, um, DeLorean who might be at the convention. I mean, I know a few, um, I've done, I did Rose City last year um, with the Yellowstone Time Machine based in Montana. Absolutely beautiful replica car. Um, and most frequently because of the close proximity, there's a replica that's actually new here in the Northwest um, called the Seattle Time Machine. And I get to do events with them um, really just whenever they need me. I did did um, Wizard World with them, which is where I met you, of course. Mm-hmm. So that one was the Seattle time machine and it's just, it's immense fun. I mean, I don't really think you've quite lived until you, you know, you've road tripped in a DeLorean before. <laughs> I know. I, it's, it's nuts. The first time I sat in one, I, I don't remember doing so as a kid, but last year at, um, the, that was the first time I went to the Portland Wizard World Comic Con. That was the first oh, yeah. time I ever, I got to sit in the DeLorean. It, it was ran by, um, the Fox Foundation. Yes, yes, yeah, the Fox uh, Foundation. It's like Terry, um, I forgot the, the couple's name. Yeah, but... no, I totally got this. That's um, tothefuture.org. That's Oliver and Terry Haller. Yes. Um, yeah, they just completed their mission to drive the DeLorean through all 50 states. That was also the first DeLorean that I've ever met, and they are some of the most sincerely kind and caring people I think I've ever met in my life. They're pretty amazing. I, I really had a good time um, talking to them, uh, you know, about the car and a little bit about the mm-hmm. foundation. Uh, but that's the first time I got to sit in the DeLorean and I sat down and the first thing I did was I'm taking a selfie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I go, I'm taking a selfie. I'm going to post it and I'm going to say, you mad, bro? <laughs> you know, because yes. who else can, you know, like nobody, not a lot of people get a chance to sit in the DeLorean. And I'm like, yeah, I just had to live in the moment and just take a selfie, you know. Um, 
what, what what else do you do? You know, I mean, I, I everybody takes a picture of themselves standing in front of the DeLorean. I had to show the flux capacitor and the time circuits and all that. So I had to do it. I just had to do oh. it. Oh yeah, one of my favorite things in the world to do. Like, oh, I mean, I mean, no matter how many times I've sat in the car, just for you know, just how many times I've sat in a DeLorean, the first thing I'm going to do is take a flux capacitor selfie. Oh yeah. Like. It's, it's, it's like I encourage everybody else to do it too. You know, if I'm taking photos with somebody, I'm like, okay, now we need to do a flux capacitor selfie, and they're like, yes, and I'm like, yes. Now I I understand that you're working on a on a it looks to be kind of a hush hush project, right? Mm -hmm. That you you've been um, kind of teasing some pictures here and there and retweeting on Twitter. Is that something you might be able to give a little information on or? Um, I believe so. I'm going to go ahead and make a judgment call because by the time it's out, I mean, I won't really have another chance to talk about it. Okay. So, I mean, if it comes back on me negatively, it's like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just made a judgment call. Um, so basically early last month, I went up to, I headed up to Seattle for, um, to film a video promo for the Seattle Time Machine. Um, so it's going to be a 30 second um, video spot um, and it was probably one of the coolest experiences ever because I have had really no experience like being on any sort of like a set or dealing with kind of like behind the scenes stuff and that was just, it was so darn cool especially because the fact that it was back to the future of all things. I mean it was just immensely fun. It was two days of shooting um, but it was just filled with so many firsts. Like I got to work on green screen. Like they're going to recreate the scene with the, you know, the speaker being blown out. Mm -hmm. um, so for that scene, I mean, uh, the director like walks in with this um, beautiful, um, the same Gibson, this beautiful vintage Gibson. Oh my goodness. And, you know, of course they hand it to me and you know, the first thing they say is, you know, don't drop if, it. If you damage this, I mean like your ass is for ass. And I'm just like, Oh no. <laughs> So, um, that's really cool. I mean, that's 30 seconds more than any of us will ever get. And just the experience alone, that's, that's something to be jealous of. Oh, priceless. You know, I mean... two days, like two days, like recreating, um, scenes, you, you know, you already dress up as Marty as it is and being able to sit in the DeLorean for long periods of time. <laughs> I know. Without having it's... to have been, uh, to pay to do that. <laughs> oh, I know. It's just, um. Uh... It's immense. It's just immense, everything that's happened in such a short amount of time. Um, I mean, I cannot express through words how extremely grateful and just kind of lucky I am, immensely lucky to have had the opportunities and chances that I've had, just simply because one day I decided to put on an orange vest. <laughs> but, um, I mean, on, to be honest, um, back when I was deciding whether or not I wanted to cosplay from Back to the Future, I was... Um, extremely hesitant to cosplay as Marty um, being a female um, and I almost didn't do it um, just because I was I started to be kind of afraid of the backlash that I might you know might have gotten for it um, because this movie these movies are just so beloved by so many I could just have seen that going very wrong um, but I mean in all honesty, sometimes I do get backlash for it. Like, you know, like, what? You're a chick? But um, just the fact 
fact that I kind of um, just decided to, you know, take a page out of the Doc Brown handbook and say, you know, oh, what the hell? Um, It's just led to all these opportunities and just... I was very relieved to find that the you know anyone I mean they're haters. Next next time something like that happens, just tell them to make like a tree and get out of here. Make like a tree, and get out of here. <laughs> Either that or call them a slacker or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's... You know, gotta throw a reference in their face. You got know, got to. Like, oh. They'll they'll get it. You know, and bah humbug on them because your know, your your outfit is awesome. Like I said, it's the most legit I've ever seen. Oh, well, thank you. Um, you know, and I, I see, I see, you know, the pictures that you share all the time, and I'm just like, I wish that could be me. And here I am thinking, you know, n- nobody wants to see an Asian Marty. <laughs> no, but it, it doesn't like in the end, like it doesn't matter though. It's just no, that's it doesn't. Kind of what but, I found. Mm-hmm. I would be Marty yeah. McFry. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> But I mean, truly, though, in the end, it's just expressing your love for like a movie or a video game or whatever your source material might be. And that's kind of why I ultimately decided to do it. And I'm just extremely fortunate that it has been um, as well received as it has and that it's led to all these opportunities. Because, I mean, like I put this costume together thinking that I'd never, you know, get to see a DeLorean or anything. And my one my one like kind of bucket list thing with this costume was I would love to do an event with the DeLorean as Marty. And it's like, lo and behold, I've done that more than once, which is just insane. It's an insane feeling. And I'm just extremely fortunate to have able to have those, you know, those chances, you know, with people being so receiving as they had like the DeLorean owners, like, you know, Yellowstone Time Machine, the Seattle Time Machine, Oliver and Terry being so welcoming. Um, my first DeLorean meeting with them. Everything has just been so incredible, truly. Heavy. <laughs> extremely heavy, very heavy. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. We, we can get into any any other last thoughts, you know, before we, we wrap it up. Have you got anything else to share? One of them was I was coming back doing my first event with a Seattle time machine. We were driving back from Spokane. And I mean, one thing you never really realize until you're put into the, into the situation, you don't really realize when you're driving down the road how much attention the car attracts. And that's not always exactly a good thing. Hmm. Um, I mean, like, I've heard stories from the owners I've met where they've always got people hiding out in their blind spots trying to take photos. <laughs> and one thing you don't really realize until you're sitting in the car is that you've got no rearview mirror. So you're All relying right. on... Yeah, I mean, you're relying on these tiny little DeLorean, you know, DNC side mirrors. And some of the owners do have, like, a backup camera installed. But, um, yeah, anyways... Kind of keeping that in mind, we were heading back from Spokane and, you know, we're heading over the kind of mountainy area. And um, a couple of cars ahead of us where we see this car, this truck um, hauling a U-Haul just severely swerved. And we're just like, you know, whoa, you know, what happened? We're not sure what's going on. Um, so we try and kind of past the guy a little bit because you know don't want to damage the very expensive car of course and as we pass the guy is holding up his cell phone 
<laughs> taking a photo of the car as we pass, and it's just like, oh my god, that's why he swerved, you know? And it's like he was carrying a U-Haul, and it's just, you know, people are just very reckless on I, the road. I've been that guy. <laughs> yeah, I've been that guy. <laughs> I have been that guy, and I have received um, probably like a handful of pictures that my friends have sent me while they're on the road and they see a DeLorean. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so my friends have been that guy, too. <laughs> and it's like, I totally understand it. I truly, truly do understand it. It's just like, it's quite, it's something you can't really quite do the flip side of until you know you're in that, you know, co-pilot co seat going, you know, oh my gosh, what the hell just happened? Right. Um, I've had an instance where I was, you know, riding shotgun in downtown Seattle and um, this drunk lady over by Pike Place just like sticks her head in my little tiny open window and I'm just like what is happening <laughs> it's just people um you don't really quite anticipate the sheer reaction that the car kind of attracts until you're kind of you know put into that situation but I mean it's fun don't get me wrong it truly is but um there's also a side to it that can be quite you know scary and unpredictable oh yeah let's see as far as other stories go um I can personally attest to the fact that um, going to bars dressed as Marty McFly does get you free drinks. In oh, case nice. It's pretty sweet. Just in case any of you out there are wondering, you do get free beverages. <laughs> also something that I truly, I can't explain, but you can just like show up at some random area and it's just like dressed as Marty McFly and it's like people will just kind of accept it. Like, oh, well, there's Marty McFly. Um, right. <laughs> it's just so weird and it's just like, I'm pretty convinced, like, I could get into the White House, like, just dressed in this costume. Because it's like, people just don't question. It's like, oh, well, there goes Marty. Like, just let him do his thing, you know? Yeah, it's Marty just, at the White House. What's, what's yeah. weird about that? <laughs> like, just, there he goes. He's he's come back from the future, and he's on a mission. The, but... the president must have invited him, because it's Marty. <laughs> exactly. It's just like, it's so weird. It's just like this weird Marty phenomenon, where it's just like, if you dress as him, it's just, nobody questions it. It's like... I mean, like, I've gotten into a convention free before because they're just, like, they just didn't ask or anything. They're just like, oh, there goes Marty McFly. There he goes. Must be part of the convention. Yep, Marty, over here. <laughs> I know. It's just, it's so weird. It is so weird. It just kind of makes you wonder, like, you know, what Michael J. Fox must have gone through just every day of his life, you know? Oh, yeah. There goes Marty McFly. Yeah, I wonder how often people go up and only call him by Marty and not like you know Mister Mister Fox or something, you know. Oh gosh, I almost don't want to know. Oh yeah. my goodness. But you it's... you know there's people like that. You know they're they're calling him Marty and stuff. Oh, of course. I mean, I bet I bet that 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 happens way more than I would care to probably think about. Unfortunately. Yeah. But um. I mean, yeah, it's all it's all in super good fun. Um, one thing that kind of happened, um, I did this big photo shoot um, with the Yellowstone Time Machine the day before, I think, yeah, day before Rose City last year. And um, for the photo shoot, we drove to the top of a parking garage, and that was my first, you know, real kind of DeLorean experience where it was just kind of me in the car and um the owner vernon or Vern um was just super warm and welcoming and the photographer is trying to get ideas for photos and Vern um 
kind of looks over at me and he's all like, I've got an idea for the photo, you know, for one of these photos. And I'm like, oh, what, what kind of an idea do you have? And he's like, go sit on top of the car. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> excuse me? Like, and he's like, no, really? And he's like, I'll show you how to get up on top of the car. And I thought he was joking because, I mean, who's going to let you crawl on top of their, you know, immensely expensive replica vehicle that I mean that actually happened um he kind of guided me up to the top of the DeLorean and I mean aside from Michael J Fox and Christopher Lloyd and you know part three I mean I just don't know how many other people can say they've actually sat on top of the time machine before right right they did sit on top of that I totally forgot about that scene yeah because it's like I thought that, that was so cool the kind of imagery of you know the horses pulling the vehicle the fact that you know you know future meets the past in such a you know kind of a dramatic way mm -hmm. um really enjoyed that imagery there um there's actually a deleted scene that they cut out of part three where it shows them kind of pulling around a corner in town with the car covered up and they're sitting on top of it and it's being pulled by horses it's I know you can find the image online. It's pretty cool, really. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I don't remember that. It wasn't added to the Blu-ray, was it? Oh, gosh. I don't think so. Because, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm sure I've, I've seen them all, and I don't remember seeing anything like that. I mean, I mean, don't quote me on that one. Okay. It's very, it could very well be there, but off the top of my head, I'm not recalling it, but I had seen photos of it online for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see here. Um, I'm trying to think of any other stories. I mean, there's so many, of course. Um, I mean, one kind of cool story, um, just for behind the scenes of the trilogy in general, one of my favorite ones that I, um, I know of. Um, and this one was kind of cool, kind of told at the, um, DeLorean car show last year by Bob Gale. Um, they were, um, you know, they knew they wanted Doc Brown's, Doc Brown's vehicle, the time machine, to be a DeLorean. But um, apparently Ford had offered Bob Gale, you know, the Bob, you know, Bob, Bob, um, Bob Gale, Robert Zemeckis, um, apparently offered them, like, quite, quite the incentive to use a Mustang mm -hmm. as the time machine. Um, and Bob Gale's infamous reply um, is... You know, Doc Brown doesn't drive a fucking Mustang, <laughs> which is hilarious. And um, at the when he after he told the story at the DeLorean car show last year, he presented Christopher Lloyd, you know, who was sitting right next to him with a T-shirt, and lo and behold, it says, you know, Doc Brown doesn't drive a fucking Mustang. That's awesome. Oh, so good! It is so good. Happy thirtieth, Back to the Future. Uh, thank you so much for being um, such an immense source of inspiration to so many people, myself included. Here's to 30 more years of celebrating these fantastic movies. If you'd like to email in, you can do so at hlfpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at hlfpodcast. Give us a like on our Facebook page and also please rate and review us on iTunes and Stitcher. It only takes a few seconds. This tribute is to be continued in part three, so stay tuned. Until then, I'm Peter, and this is Hydrate Level 4.